The difference between having a great quarter, making your number, or reporting a bad quarter often comes down to the effectiveness of your sales team's discovery calls and demos. But how do you make sure your reps are doing the right things on their calls in order to finish the quarter strong? Well, introducing Gong.io, the number one conversation intelligence platform for B2B sales teams. Gong helps you ensure your reps are doing deep discovery calls and crisp sales demos by recording, transcribing, and analyzing their calls. And Gong allows you to understand how well your playbook is being followed and analyze how well it's working so you can constantly move the needle on your win rates. Now, if you request a demo of Gong as a result of hearing this message, you'll get a free ebook copy of my award-winning book, Zero Time Selling, 10 Essential Steps to Accelerate Every Company's Sales. So go to gong.io forward slash accelerate to request your no-obligation demo and get your copy of my award-winning book, Zero Time Selling. Again, that's gong.io forward slash accelerate, G-O-N-G dot I-O forward slash accelerate. So go there now and come back and enjoy today's episode. This episode of Accelerate is brought to you in part by Discover.org. Looking to close four times as many deals in half the time? Discover.org's industry-leading, human-verified sales intelligence gives you all of the data and insights, like direct dials, org charts, planned projects, verified emails, and executive moves, you need to stop wasting time on research and spend more time talking to the right decision-maker with the right message at the right time. Their team of 250-plus sales researchers do all the work so that you don't have to. 2,500 companies are already using Discover.org to win more deals. So check them out at www.discoverorg.com. That's www.discoverorg.com. It's time to accelerate. Hey, friends. This is Andy. Welcome to Episode 528 of Accelerate the sales podcast of record, where I hold in-depth conversations with today's leading experts in sales, marketing, and leadership six days a week. And boy, do we have a good one for you today. So joining me on the show for the first time is Jocko Vanderkoy. Jocko is the founder and CEO of Winning by Design. And Winning by Design helps customers to design, build, and scale their sales efforts. And he's author of an excellent book titled Blueprints for a SaaS Sales Organization, How to Design, Build, and Scale a Customer-Centric Sales Organization. In this episode, we're going to dive deep into how Jocko believes the current sales model that we find, especially sort of in tech space, is, is not working as well as, as it used to be. It's maybe even broken. And he's going to dive into what we need to do to fix it to make sure that companies can thrive in an increasingly competitive environment. If you'd like to see the show notes for this episode, go to andypaul.com forward slash 528. There we provide a time-stamped breakdown of this and all episodes and conversations on Accelerate. Now, in case you missed it, at the beginning of the show, this episode is brought to you by two sponsors. First, I'm pleased to welcome a new partner to Accelerate, Discover.org. Discover.org's industry-leading human-verified sales intelligence gives you all the data and insights you need to stop wasting time on research and spending more time talking to the right decision-maker with the right message at the right time. Make sure you visit them at discover.org.com. Also, today's episode is brought to you in part by Gong.io. Gong is a great coaching tool to help managers boost rep productivity by quickly analyzing your sales team's calls and demos. Check it out at Gong.io forward slash accelerate. And if you do that today, you get a free PDF copy of my award-winning book, Zero Time Selling. So let's jump right into it. Jocko Vanderkoy, welcome to Accelerate. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's an honor to have you on the show. So a question I start all the interviews with is 
in your mind, what's the single biggest challenge facing sales reps today? Well, for me, what I see at the current given point in time is that the biggest singles, uh, the biggest challenge is that they are unable to execute a, a proper sales process. They are unable uh, uh, it, to execute any given step and create the same result over and over again. Primarily for most sales professionals, it's still artistry. No, okay. So two questions are coming out of that. One is, is they're unable to execute it consistently because of why? So that's question one. And what's question two? Well, the question would be about artistry. I couldn't tell whether you were saying that was good or bad. Um, it depends, and so I'll, I'll, I'll explain a little bit. First, sure. you know, like before, you know, give. You know, I saw in one of your previous episodes there was the twenty eighty rule discussed, and Andy, perhaps you can indulge. What does the twenty eighty rule stand for? <laughs> well, in the case of this particular guest, you were saying that uh, you know eighty percent of your performance, your revenue, whatever, is going to come from twenty percent of the activities that you do. Great. And that 2018 rule has generally prevailed in B2B sales for the past decade. 20% of your top performers generate 80% of the revenue, right? Mm -hmm. This is a common a common practice. However, what we have seen, what we see in SaaS is that due to the lowering of the average contract value to no longer are we closing millions of dollars of deals, but we are now closing thousands of dollars of deals. Right. SaaS by itself has become immune to rainmakers. That means if 20% of the people generate 80% of the revenue, what, do you, what, what does the remaining 80% generate, Andy? Yeah, 20%, right? 20%, right, exactly. So now... What we see today is that that 80%, because we are SaaS, uh, because we are Rainmaker immune, that remaining 80%, in order for an organization, sales organization to perform, now need to produce 80%. So instead of generating 20%, mm -hmm. they now need to generate 80%. And that's the reason why many of the sales organizations start to fail. Got it. Now, as this comes back to process, how do you make average performers over and over repeat within an admirable result that can be repeated again and again. You know, as you know, from your athletic background, as we know how the military does this, how hospital industry does this, you have to implement the process. And so that is where the weakness sits in many of the today's sales organizations. Okay. But one of the things that we see in the SaaS business and, and also, um, you know, we're going to talk about this as one of the topics I want to get into with you is that the process, I mean, there's no shortage of process, certainly in SaaS business, there's certainly no shortage of process. So it's the wrong process with the wrong intention. Both are, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't agree with the first one, you know, saying there's a shortage of process, you know, like there's no shortage of process. I think there is. Okay. I, I think that what we see today is if you look at a, at, a, at a traditional SaaS sales organization, it's a bunch of people that are working hard, making phone calls, following scripts. That is, that is not necessarily a process. Right. A, a process is doing something that is proven to work and do more of it and start, stop doing what doesn't work, right? That is the whole idea behind the process. Um, if you see today, if, if I bring up for most sales people, most sales professionals, I simply open up the calendar and look out what two weeks from now is on the calendar it is pretty much empty. That tells me that there's no process installed. You know, mm -hmm. like if, if, an, if I look at an athlete's calendar two weeks from now, I can tell you what I will be doing on Tuesday morning between 8 and 10 p.m., 8, 8 and 10 a.m. That is simply what a, an indication of process is. Now, um, that tells you that they are doing something, 
and I do not know whether we want to call that a process. I don't think you know executing email scripts uh, to the tune of uh, in a certain volume is, is essentially a process. But uh, but yeah, my point is we need to execute a process of things that are proven to work and stop doing what doesn't work. Okay, I agree 100% on that. So so let's talk about this uh, presentation. You you sent me a link to a a prezi, a prezi that you created a presentation. And a great title for what I think was sort of what I'd call a manifesto or an indictment or a call to action or all three um, about current SaaS sales. And the great title called The the Art of Making Love. So <laughs> how did you come up with that title for you know this, this presentation you put together? Well, you know, like it comes from personal experience. I myself, uh, obviously, at one point in time, was a was a contributor, and and later on in life, was a was a VP of sales. When when the customers that that I personally won, or those that my team won, um, and 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 created deals with, they never came to me and said like, "My gosh, your team was excellent negotiators," or "Your team was great at uh, at." Um, at closing me at the last week or something like that. They they never really bought because we were, you know, executing a specific skill set really well. It's mm-hmm. not like my right. The reason why 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 they essentially, you know, choose and you know, like if I think of companies like Dish who bought like fifty million dollars worth of equipment over the years from me, is because they trusted me. Now I call that, you know, like they loved me and love in a, in a professional uh, uh, relationship. They would call me up, you know, the, the, the executives of that, that, of that company would call me up and ask me all kinds of questions on the weekend whenever they wanted. They trusted me. And in my, you know, like in, in today, I would say that's a form of business love, so to speak. Now, if you ask any salesperson, any, any salesperson, one point in their life, they figured out that they came across a customer who loved them. If you're in sales for more than five years and you have not run into a customer who's willing on, on LinkedIn to tell you the best salesperson ever, then you've not been in sales long enough. You will always sooner or later run into a customer that thinks that think of you as the greatest like salesperson ever. Yep. And so the question is not, can you do it once? The question is, can you do it again and again? And again, and hence the title, The Art of Making Love, doing it again over and over again. Okay. Now, you just had a, an event that you'd hosted uh, called Flying Upside Down. How'd that go? Uh, it's, a, it's an event that I presented at. And at that event, you know, we're bringing together, you know, thinkers, doers, tinkers, you know, and, and where we present to them a variety of ideas that are out of the norm. So, you know, like we had uh, somebody who was a former flight pilot. We had a Stanford uh, uh, future, uh, probably a Hall of Famer on, on mathematics. And there was a whole group of different people presenting uh, from all kinds of different angles. And I think that's what we're looking at today. Today, people looking for information, not just from the same sources, but from a right variety of sources uh, so that they can put the pieces together themselves. And did you present this presentation, this, uh, The Art of Making Love, at that, at that event? That's right. So I presented The Art of Making Love. Um, and, yeah. and what was the reaction to it? Well, I open up this asking, you know, like, who of you is a founder? Who of you is this? And then I ask, so who of you is, uh, is great at making love? Uh, that, of course, got a chuckle out of the <laughs> A few raised their hands, and I'm proud of that, people that they're willing to claim. <laughs> Uh, what what you'll see is that uh, I'll leave that up to the audience to decide overall. Uh, you know, the, the, considering the line that was waiting at the end of the the the, the presentation, I think it went very well. Um, people, I want you to know, this is an emotional experience for a lot of people. 
This is not like a rational. When we look at, at you know, like sales in, in a new and more modern light, it's an emotional experience because essentially I am telling you it's no longer about the clothes. It's no longer about selling. It is about helping your customer to buy the right solution. Well, right. And sort of more fundamentally what you're saying in this presentation, I'll share the link with it uh, for it with, with the audience, um, is that, hey, this, well, we consider this sort of great leading edge sales model, SaaS sales model, which you know, is benefiting from this infusion of all this technology and so on, is, is you're basically saying, look, it's, it's failing. You know, the fundamental model is failing and it's not sustainable in its current form. That is exactly right. So I'm going to make a big statement, and that is in, um, yeah, I'll let that sit there for a second, okay? Sales, I want you to see it as a technology. Think of sales as a technology, and then think of that technology having hardly have any innovation over the past decade in from a SaaS perspective, right? Over the past decade, we're still looking at that same model of inside sales model based on the same kind of people and profiles. Predictable revenue our, model predictable revenue model, uh, fine for its time, but, you know, like the innovation has, you know, has been lacking since. And so what we notice, and as, as um, you know, like we represent a couple of hundred, you know, sales organizations in SaaS that we have worked with, we notice that that persistently fails per today. And we can actually predictably fail it. Again, that's not uh, a jab at, at the, the, the methodology that was deployed at that point in time. It is just outdated because no longer are people responsive to emails and no longer are people responsive to the single value proposition of, of a CapEx versus OpEx model, mm-hmm. which, was, which is the premise of why that inside sales model works sure. so today, right? And so that is the, the shortfall. So now we need an innovation, you know, and there's nothing out there. Everybody, um, you know, like is simply relying on tools to do the old methodology, to use the old innovation more effectively. And to my, you know, to the point is I think that more tools um, are not having brought us the benefit that we had hoped for till date. Yeah, well, and I wanted to get into that because I, I have long sought somebody to be able to show it to me and say, okay, yeah, here's, here's the correlation we have between this infusion of this technology and these tools and increased levels of performance and productivity on the part of sales. And it, as far as I can tell, it doesn't exist. That's correct, I think. And, and what you're experiencing is, you know, like uh, I can give you all the tools you want, but if you're not executing the right process, then you're doing it, you know, like then, then the tools are not going to impact it, or even worse, it, it can make the wrong impact, right? And, sure. So, so you talk about in the Prezi, in your presentation, I'll just call it the presentation, I keep on to call it Prezi, but is that you describe a zone where inside sales goes to die. So explain what you, you meant by that. So what you, when you start looking at the math behind SaaS, there is a particular, there is a function or there's, there, 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 there's a curvature that tells below that curvature, a two-touch sales organization doesn't work. And to give you a, a simple point of view, uh, a two-touch sales organization means that the SDR sets up a meeting, the meeting then gets closed by an AE. Mm-hmm. You know, the customer gets touched two times in this case. What we see in that is that if you're selling below, if you're selling a $5 service, for example, a, a Chrome plugin, that would not make any sense. Something right. like at that low price, we're probably best off buying it online. So at some point in time, it starts to make sense that you generate, uh, that you can use a two-touch sales organization to generate revenue. That point previously was in the range of eight to $10,000, but as these SDRs found it harder and harder to generate SQLs, 
simply because email no longer is a scalable tool in order to generate leads in the B2B market. Well, we started to see that in the beginning, SDRs generated like 20, 22, 25 SQLs per month or one per day. But today we see that SDRs, these inside sales organizations, you know, are, have, are falling in the production of, of, of setting up meetings to sometimes, you know, like five or 10 per month. With that, the client acquisition costs start to, you know, double almost if, you know, when you start to calculate it out, as well as that AAEs, the salespeople no longer convert one in three in their pipeline. They started to convert one in five. These metrics have created the triangle of death that, that says if, you, if you're in this price zone, let's say $10,000 per, per uh, annual contract, and your SDRs only generate five SQLs per month, then, you're in, you, then you find yourself in the triangle of death where mm -hmm. sales organizations go to die. Now, if you're selling a $250,000 annual contract value, and then your SDR generates five SQLs, obviously then you're in the safe zone, you're on the other side of that. And so when you, when you draw that out, then we see that, that where that line is today, and Andy, let me be straight up, that line is moving and it's moving to higher ACVs uh, in order for you still to, to be able to afford the current double-touch sales organization. Right. And you said uh, that the decline is accelerating and that the, the common fixes aren't gonna work. So it's we have to innovate somehow. That I mean, is right. So the common answer oftentimes seems to be for for most SaaS organizations is yeah, just do more activity. Do more email and so on. Now, we had high hopes for social selling. And and although I'm, you know, myself have benefited from social selling and myself I I, I you know, like I yeah, I've worked with it. I have to tell you, social selling although great it is, it is really hard. It is just very complicated. For a salesperson that is, you know, in, in the start of his career, 25 to 30 years old, to do it really well. Um, you may be able to do it once in a while, but to create repetitive success uh, to the tune that, that, that it generates and, and fills in the void. And that void that has been created by the lack of response to email and the lack of interest in, in having a meeting. That is just challenging for a large part of the population. Like in process, we cannot just depend on the superstars who do it. The superstars are superstars and they are great at social selling. But what do I do with the remaining 80%? Right. And, and for, for them, social selling has just been very tough not to, to, to crack. All right. So the idea you're, you're suggesting for the innovation is to move from sort of the traditional stage-based land and expand two-touch sales model to from being sales-centric to being customer-centric. And, you know, you know, I mean, this idea of being customer centric isn't isn't really new, but, you know, you sort of sketch it out a little bit differently. So tell us your approach to being customer centric. So, you know, first and foremost, we are, you know, like we've worked closely with customer success organizations in the past. And what we see is that the primary interest of customer success from its origin, it's changing today, fortunately, but from its origin was to make the customer happy. And, you know, as I sold, you know, uh, myself, you know, my CEO would, would tell me, Jaco, don't mistake installing for selling. And what he was telling me is focus on selling. You just focus on the sales and let somebody else focus on the team, focus on making the customer happy. And so as a result, customer success organizations just did that. Just make your customer happy. What we see in SaaS and in future advances of SaaS, because we got to be realistic, SaaS is only a temporary model as we know it today. Right. It will evolve and it will evolve over the next two to three years. And so, but what we see per today is that the revenue primarily is made 
to the far right when the customer is happy and successful. That mm-hmm. is when the revenue is made. That's where the profit is made. Now, in my in this in my visual, I say, okay, but my customer success organization is trying to make love to the customer. There, they are trying to make the customer happy. So that's where they're creating hearts. They're creating hearts. The customer is trying to make revenue, and we are trying to make love to them. Right? We're trying to make them happy. The opposite also happens during the close. During the close, we're trying to make revenue, which we're not going to get because the contracts are not structured in SaaS that way. And the customer is just trying to be happy with us, trying to trust us. And so I believe that those two things need to be flopped. And my first gut reaction on that is that means that you know sales organizations, of course, they need to have an interest in in securing you know financial interest such as such as uh, a contract. Uh, a contract. Right. But mind you, uh, I'm trying to win the game, not just by not scoring a goal. Scoring goal is part of winning the game. And similarly, you're making a customer happy, and winning a contract is that. Now the key piece here, the key absolute key piece, is that we're doing this today. But we're doing this with a mindset that is very uh, outdated. We still call pitching. We still call it closing. We still write down on the contract, did you close a contract? Mm-hmm. There, there's no closing. There's no closing in SaaS. There's committing. It's a mutual commitment to the future. So it's a commitment. There's no close. There's no negotiation. I mean, I just, you know, like I see all the, it's now hip right now to to teach our sales teams to negotiate as if from a, a taught by a hostage negotiator. Like, <laughs> seriously? <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> like, there is no negotiation in SaaS. There shouldn't be any discount. Discount is not, never was intended to be in SaaS. It, you know, like, anyway, so. Well, also the thing is customers don't make up their minds in front of the salesperson. They shouldn't. No, I, you know, like. <laughs> this whole idea of the close, I, I, I call it the myth of the closer because the fact is that, you know, it's a very rare event where, someone actually closes, that's, yeah, you've got multiple stakeholders to get together, they make a decision. Absolutely right. And so on that, we say, I'll give you a simple example. We say, like, why don't we change the way we call it? Now, you know, like I've been called out in public a number of occasions saying, Lily, is, is the way we're naming it really that important? Absolutely, freaking lutely okay? Yeah, words matter. Sure. Words, words do matter. matter. Yes. Matter, right? And so I'll give you a practical example. For those of you who very enjoy uh, account-based marketing, it is called spear phishing. Great. Who is the fisherman? Ah, that's the account-based marketing operator, right? Okay. And mm-hmm. so what is the process of phishing? Oh, we're going to use a technique. We're going to target a specific fish. Who's the fish? Oh, that's the customer. What happens to the customer? Sushi. That is what <laughs> happens to the customer, right? So I go like, look, what it, what we call it matters. It matters absolutely. And so I believe that we should stop calling it negotiation. We should stop handing out books about how to how to negotiate as if you're a hostage negotiator. We should call it what it is. You're trading. And trading as in, hey, I give you something in return. Trading does not devalue your product. Trading, you exchange value of product. Trading means that you got to have a list of trading items ready. Which items are you going to trade with the customer, right? Mm-hmm. Trading is, is way more customer-centric. What you call it does matter. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I talk about this in, in my most recent book, Amp Up Your Sales, is that you know, at the heart of sales, there's, there's a trade that, it, that happens. And the trade is... And this is an explicit bargain. The customer says, I'm going to give you some of my time. What are you going to give me in return? That is exactly right. And if there's there's no ROI for the customer, you stop getting their time. That is exactly right. And so we believe, you know, like this is the core, you know, like as we start thinking about sales as an innovation, thinking about, you know, like how, you know, like what what is the innovation we need? I think that what we see that SaaS 
arguably is leading the world in innovation in sales. And that what you'll see in the model, the model is built towards customer success. And in that, we need to learn and we need to flip those two activities. We need to stop thinking about closing a customer in sales and then you know, making them happy in customer success. We need to start thinking about maybe we should make them happy in sales and we should start closing more business in the customer success function. If you flip those two, then we need a process for that in order mm -hmm. to implement that. And in that process, we need to make sure that we name it the right things so that we're not you know, degrading customers with the way how we treat them in the words that we, that, that we uh, use to reflect the activities that we, that, that we induce on them. Right. I mean, as you talk about in, in the presentation, I talk about in what I write, it's about serving the customer. I and mean, sales is about basically about service. I mean, I, I have a quote I took from Jeff Bezos' uh, interview he did in the Harvard Business Review where you know, he said, we don't make money when we sell things. We make money when we help customers make purchase decisions. And it's that you know, that change in orientation, that change in perspective is is hugely significant. I believe it is. And I believe that, you know, like SaaS is leading that. And that, that has me obviously excited for uh, to be part in sales right now. I think we are, you know, entering, you know, like a new realm of sales. We see a new generation. We see new tools, tools that are going to absolutely play an important role in this. Um, but what we are missing in that is, is is the methodology that lies underneath it, which I believe will will quickly become customer centric and a process that helps us execute all those activities that we know so well, how to make a call, how to place a call, how to make a write an email, how to have a meeting. These are all activities. They need to be structured in a proper process and executed accordingly. Right. I mean, you, you talk about going from a land and expand to an educate and assist approach to selling. And and one of the problems I have with so many of the processes I see within SaaS and many of the tools is that, you know, to me, I think customers have a, and my experience has shown this over decades, is that, you know, customers have sort of one objective, which is, you know, when they're in their buying mode is they, they want help to quickly gather the information they need to make good decisions with the least investment of their time and resources possible. I mean, they don't want to spend forever making decisions. They don't, you know, they don't want to involve more people than they need to involve is they want to make good decisions quickly. It becomes a strategic advantage for them. But it doesn't seem like any of our processes, you know, if I ask them, it's, you know, introducing a new tool, a CEO, a founder of the introducing this new tool, I say, okay, well, how does it help the customer achieve what they're trying to achieve? That's right. Now, the, the, the hop that I'm going to try to make, the gap that I'm going to try to make you jump here is the following. Traditionally, we think of stages, right? Traditionally, we have lead stages and we have sales stages, we have deployment stages. Traditionally, we have always thought in stages and the stages were there because, in, in you know, this happened, you know, before the internet was there. Mm -hmm. I, would, I would move you from the stage qualified to negotiation when I gave you something. Since the customer didn't have access into, the, uh, access into all the information, I traded with you. So, for example, uh, if you wanted pricing, I wanted budget. If you wanted to know uh, uh, features and that we delivered, I wanted to know requirements. And through that exchange, trading along those steps, I would maneuver you from stage to stage because you your questions developed. You wanted more information. Mm. You couldn't get it anywhere else. You only could get it from the salesperson that knocked on your door in B2B. Right. So I knew exactly in what stage you were. Today, customers obviously can get pricing, can get all the information they want online. So the state, the idea of stages is is gone. You know, like it's not like some customer calls you up in the morning and saying like, "Hey, Jocko, thanks for the email you sent me. Can you please move me from qualified into negotiation because I'm ready for it?" Right? They don't do that. And so we now have to think that customers go through experiences. 
they go through a series of experiences. And sometimes that, that series of experiences that they go through is like in, a, in five minutes and sometimes it takes six months. I right. mean, it, it, it right. all depends on, on, right? And so, so we may not be able to, to put the stages on there, but we may very well know when we communicate with them and what experience they are. And we call it, uh, you know, the, oh shit, I have a problem experience. Oh, aha, there's a solution experience, right? These are real experiences a customer finds themselves in the middle of. And once you know what experience that they're in, you know how to, as a sales professional or as a customer-focused professional, you know how to address that experience. Well, yeah, I, I, rather than experiences, I was sort of thinking about as, you know, as emotional stages customers go through. Right, because the way you defined it is, you know, first one was <laughs> like your little your cartoon. It's almost like watching the old Batman cartoon. Is you know, arg, I have a problem, or aha, you know, there's solutions. This is what they're feeling at that time. That's right. That's exactly right. And so, and, and you know, like the, the, we 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 train our sales organizations that we work with. We train on recognizing that because you know, like you can't sell to somebody who's in education mode about learning about the problem. You can't say, oh, let me tell you how great our product is. Right? It's it's just not the right thing to do. Um, and so, you know, like it, it's one of those those key skill sets. And, and, and to give you how important this is, if what are the two things that salespeople are trained on when they come into an organization is primarily, hey, let me talk, show you how our product works. Right. So mm-hmm. I'm teaching you about product. And the second thing is, and here's the pitch. Right. Right. So when a, when a new salesperson is pushed into a corner by a client or, you know, like the client is asking tough questions. What are you gonna what are you gonna fall back on? You're gonna fall back on what you've been trained on. And what is the training? Let me give you the pitch about the features that we have. Right. And so, you know, this is a typical thing that we see everywhere, pitch training, pitching contest. This is the it it's not that it has a negative impact by itself. It has a negative impact if it's the only thing you train. Well, okay? but it, it gets back to the mindset though that, that we talked about before, and words matter, right? Because Instead of you think about you know pitch, qualify, present, negotiate, you said all these very sales centric terms. When you're thinking about what you're doing as a salesperson, that's if that's what you think you're doing, that word is in your mind. That's that's the way you're going to be received or perceived by the customer, as that's opposed exactly. to as opposed to having a conversation. We're going to diagnose what the issue is. We're going to educate them. We're going to assist them. We're going to help them. Right. We're going to help them. That's to me. That's not just semantics. That that dictates behaviors and mindset. Absolutely. Think of think of you giving your customer and, and, and saying, hey, you should get a second opinion from this particular provider. Right. How many sales organizations would still struggle with that today to tell the customer, go get a second opinion at this particular provider? <laughs> exactly. It's a great example. I mean, I've, I've written and I speak about this is, is, you know, I say, what's the one question a customer will never ask you? And it always sort of stumps the audience. And I said, you know, here's an example. So, you know, a customer is never going to call you up. Let's say you're a sales manager. Customers are never going to call you and say, yeah, Andy, you know, we, we think we really like your product, but, you know, your salesperson here, John, he's, he's just not salesy enough. Could you send over somebody who's more salesy? <laughs> that's exactly right. Now, you know, that, like, that's the, never going to happen. You're never going to hear that question. You're never going to hear that question. That's exactly right. And, and you know, like it, it depicts the, you know, like, and if, if I try to put these things together again, it depicts what we said earlier on. You said, ah, oh, there's enough processes. Um, maybe there's enough processes on how to pitch, but there's not enough processes on how to properly diagnose a customer. Exactly. Yeah, it's the wrong Being, process. Absolutely. I agree 100%. Right. And, and I think that that is, you know, like when we see today, we believe in, in, in that salespeople need to be taught uh, in, in, in a trade, that trade is sales and that trade is primarily customer centric focused. 
learn how to ask the right questions, um, you know, like learn how to ask different kind of questions and not only open and close, but the other question-based sales techniques are absolutely applicable. Learn how to diagnose the customer without leading with a question, mm -hmm. right? Because that, that, that is another big no-no right nowadays. Learn how to truly understand. And from that, try to help the customer succeed. And that is where the, the, uh, the stages that I go, instead of land and expand, which is very centric. And I want to give one more example at the end of this. Sure. Land and expand. It is educate and assist. Educate the customer on the problem they're experiencing and the solutions that are at hand. And then assist them to achieve their success. Yeah, sort of interesting. You have a um, a new acronym you you created called Talker, and and I was sort of smiling as I was reading it because it was sort of similar to a newer one that I'd come up recently as well. But why don't you uh, why don't you talk about Talker? Because I think it's it's a great sort of six easy things to keep in mind. Yeah, so Talker is is uh, the is the big is the first training we give to any salesperson. It doesn't matter whether you're, you know, like a five hundred thousand dollar enterprise rep or whether you are an, uh, uh, you know, a brand new first time salesperson. Okay, T stands primarily for tone, tone of voice. Now, tone of voice means my ability to control my tone, listen to you carefully, and then respond and mirror that tone. That does not only have to happen verbally, that can happen with an emoticon, that can happen in, in mm -hmm. a written way, right? A stands for asking questions. And asking questions, you need to learn and understand how do you open and close, but also situational pain questions and so on. You need to learn and understand how you can group questions together to help a customer, di to, to diagnose a customer. Uh, L stands for listen. Uh, and actively listening. And listening means uh, that you're able to use some of the pain words, emotional pain words that I use and word them back to me, right? So listen carefully to what I say and then mirror that as you, you know, respond back to me and say, so Mr. Customer, if I got it right, you said X, Y, and Z, right? Mm -hmm. in, in order to do that, the K stands for keeping notes. As I said earlier, notes is super yep. important. E stands for the ability to elaborate on a conversation, to engage, to go deeper, Right. If, you know, like don't let the first answer that the customer gives offset you that that is the right answer. Dig in. And then R stands for repeat what you've heard. Ninety nine percent of all I think I've written it somewhere that ninety nine percent read somewhere. Ninety nine percent of all issues come because of communication issues. And, you know, like to give it a real example, we use Stalker when you have a meeting, when you diagnose all the way when you negotiate. Can you please repeat? What did the customer counter offer was before you say yes or no? Mm -hmm. Can you please just repeat it, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and then see and ask the customer, did I get that right? That is, you know, like repeating is a very, this, this, these acronym, this spells the acronym talker, which of course is a little stab at, at a jab at, at the process, you know, like it involves heavily listening and so right. on. But talker is the process. Yeah. Yeah. I know it's a little irony in the, in the term, but yeah. Yeah. It's very good. I like that. Um, uh, was well, one more thing I wanted to talk sure. about. Yeah. Let's do it. And, and this is the, the topic about qualification. And, and the process of qualification is, an, is, is, is like a hot button that shows what is wrong with the process. Most techniques today are using a methodology which is still from a, from a series of what we call BANT or MEDIC or something like that. Mm -hmm. and, it's a, and it's a process in which the salesperson verifies if a customer is qualified. This is the problem with that. We, I've, I, like similar to you, when I, when I teach groups, I ask them to qualify me and I'm a gullible customer and I give them exactly, okay, I have a budget, I'm the decision maker, I absolutely must have this by June 1st because if I'm, you know, like, uh, because if I'm not, you know, like, um, uh, you know, my, my platform won't launch or something like that. 
And then I show the following. Who got the value out of this qualification process? Who got all the value? Ah, the salesperson. And what did the customer get out? Of when you were qualifying me, what did I get out of this as a customer? Nothing. Mm-hmm. And that is wrong with this, this process. And that is what we got to realize. That tells us we are up for new innovation. What we see is today, band only applies to one moment in time, very effect, you know, very, very much present in the sales process, you know, in that early stage of qualification. We even have a separate stage for that, right? Oh, I qualified you, you're in. Like, no, qualification is not a stage that happens. It's not like, it, it happens every time. <laughs> it's not a one-time event, yes. It's a, not a one-time event. Yeah, and I, on top of that, we're using the wrong thing, right? We use, And so that's my point on that. It's like, we really need to, we really need some innovation on sales. Absolutely. I mean, I've, I've written about this, I, and what I sort of relate to it is the Heisenberg's principle of uncertainty and the observer effect. You know, the act of selling to someone changes them. The act of selling to a buyer, if you're doing it well, changes their needs and requirements and their perception of what they can achieve. So you have to continually requalify them you know, at every phase of in every contact you have with them. That is absolutely right. And I think that what we wish for organizations to do that, Andy, all I ask for sales professionals, and, and, and we have even a quote on this, is to treat this as a trade. We believe that when organizations start treating the way how they sell as important as and make that as important as what they sell, that then truly, you know, sales can be that unique selling point you're looking for. And today we spend millions of dollars on developing product. We spend, you know, gazillions of dollars on marketing of the product. And then we just hire a bunch of salespeople and say like, hey, here's the script. Here's the product. Go sell. That is just not uh, that, you know, like as I pointed out in, in the Prezi, we know what the outcome of that looks like. Dozens and dozens of, of salespeople in an organization failing. Uh, unpredictable revenue, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, like drama. People relocating their sales teams, out, you know, to other organizations, to other parts of the country, so they can get it cheaper. Uh, bringing in more tools, all these things are are fa you know fail are really failing to solve the real problem, which is get the proper methodology, then implement the right process, and then train your people to do it in a customer centric way. Right. Yeah. It's fundamentally it comes down to behaviors and habits. And as you said, you sort of outline them with, with your talker acronym. That's I've got an acronym. But, but if they can master those within the right process, then the odds of success go up fairly substantially. I think so. And I think that what we see right now is this is at the point in time that this is changing. And, you know, like, although we, we're in the midst of it, we, we may feel that it's going still too slow. Uh, considering how long, you know, like how long traditional sales was on the scene for, you know, let's say 50 years, then the more inside sales the, uh, came on the scene for five to 10 years. And we're right now ready for uh, for new innovation that's coming into sales. You and I are part of it. Your listeners are part of it. This is that moment that we're all having a voice. We're all listening, you know, like and, and contribu contributing to this. And I believe that is going to make sales um in effect, a better thing because we do not, we have a disadvantage advantage. The disadvantage is that we do not have an educational system. It's also an advantage because mm -hmm. if the educational system was in place, it would take years and years to unroot bad habits. We have no educational system in place. There's no degree that you can get in sales. And that is actually what makes us more nimble and quicker to maneuver in the future. Oh, I agree. And but I, one point I'll make, and because I, I think the idea about how you sell being as important as what you sell. To me, that has continuity that goes back decades. Because, you know, I look at my own experiences selling for 
startup selling large, sort of like you were with Dish, you know, large mission critical application communications applications worth tens of millions of dollars. And we we're startups competing against the really big guys. How do we win? It's based on how we sold, right? We didn't have track record. We didn't have the installed base. But why were we winning these large orders? You know, based on how we sold. And so I think this has always been critical. But I think to your point, it's becoming more and more critical these days. And so you know, people listening to this interview, listen to what Chaco was saying: is you got to take this to heart because how you sell is going to be what sets you apart from your competitors. Can I hug you right now? Is this the proper time where we hug? <laughs> no, we're we're doing it virtually, but yeah. <laughs> well, Jocko, it's been fantastic talking with you. I really appreciate you taking the time to join us today. So tell people how they can find out more about what you do and connect with you. Oh, you know, obviously you can always look me up on LinkedIn. Uh, you know, I know my name is hard to to look up, so probably the best way to go is to our website, www.winningbydesign.com. It's uh, winningbydesign.com. We have a worldwide organization. We help customers, uh, you know, from our Sydney office, from our Amsterdam office, and from Silicon Valley office. And so we're just happy to help our customers succeed. Excellent. Excellent. Well, again, thanks for joining us. And friends, thank you for spending this time with me today. Uh, make sure you come back again tomorrow for another great episode of Accelerate. Until then, appreciate if you get a chance. Go to iTunes or wherever you listen to Accelerate. Subscribe if you haven't done so already. Leave us a review. We really want to hear what we can do to make this a more valuable experience for you. So thanks again for joining me. Until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. <laughs>